0: This is the Horse Radio Network. Welcome to the Horse Nutrition Podcast presented by Purina. From our research farm to your barn, Purina's team of Ph.D. equine nutritionists take you on a journey through all stages of your horse's life, from foals to seniors and everything in between. You'll come away with advice and knowledge on how to best feed your equine companion to unlock their greatest potential.
1: This is Dr. Wendy Ying. I'm a practicing veterinarian in Sarasota, Florida. And this is Dr. Anna Pesta.
2: I'm a nutritionist with Purina. And today on the Horse Nutrition Podcast presented by Purina, we take a look at obesity and insulin resistance. We're going to talk about the differences between equine metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, and Cushing's, and try to help horse owners understand how to feed horses with each of those different types of situations.
1: Well, Anna is a nutritionist at Purina, and she actually is an eventer and breeds her own eventing horses, so she knows all about nutrition and how nutrition helps with our sport horses. So, Anna, tell us a little bit about your job at Purina.
2: Well, it's my job to take the research and innovation and knowledge that we learn out at the farm in St. Louis and bring it out to the field to help horse owners. And then also to be out in the field, supporting the sales staff and making farm calls out in the quote unquote real world and help kind of direct the R&D program to know what's going on out on the ground so we can stay on point with developing new feeds that are the most applicable.
1: So do you travel all around the country or you just have a local area? Yeah, I
2: kind of cover the east coast, at least north of Florida. So I travel kind of mid-Atlantic, northeast, and Great Lakes on the road, usually about three weeks a month.
1: Mm -hmm. It's great to know that Purina has their... PhD researchers coming out into the field and helping the local people to determine what their feed needs are and to listen to everyone's feedback.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that when they do business with us, they have access to nutritionists, and I'm pretty much on call to answer calls, texts, emails from the field all the time. So,
1: oh, you shouldn't say all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going to get emails at yeah. three in the morning, and people obsess over <laughs> yeah. their. Needs. So now, what are we talking about today? What's our topic? As much as I would
2: maybe enjoy creating feeding programs for the Olympic level athletes and performance horses all the time, I think most or a lot of what I run into in the field is overweight horses. Seems like everybody's got at least one. So they come along with a whole set of challenges. So I'm kind of going to talk about you know, metabolic syndrome, how we know when a horse is insulin resistant and then how to feed them. And then Mm -hmm. kind of a separate issue that a lot of people end up struggling with, with their older senior horses is Cushing's disease.
1: So like, how does the average person know if their horse is fat or not? Some people are kind of, they think they're just chunky.
2: They're so cute and hungry and they look (laughs) at you when you're in the feed room and they want to be fed all the time. Yeah. So uh, I think a lot of people hopefully have seen a body condition scoring chart at some point in their lives, maybe on a barn wall or in the vet's office. Mm -hmm. There's a scale from one to nine that is a range of, I guess, horse fatness, one being emaciated skeleton and nine being the fattest horse you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And five is ideal and where we'd like to keep a lot of horses that would be Their ribs are covered enough for you to not see them, but if you run your hand across their rib cage, you could feel them easily.
1: So what percentage of the horses do you think that are like the average, like pasture potato, what range do they usually fall in?
2: Yeah, I think I, I actually saw data on this a while back when maybe the USDA did a study. They said there were only 5% of the horse population was overweight. And now that's been updated and it's definitely in the 30s. So oh, um, wow. a good proportion of our horse population is overweight or obese. Uh-huh. So we're talking about a lot of the horses.
1: So what's the difference between overweight and obese? I think degree
2: of fatness, a lot similar Mm -hmm. to people. Once you get above a five on the body condition scoring system, Mm -hmm. a five to a six is good. A lot of our show horses that have some bloom on them will be sixes. But then once you get above that, a seven is definitely overweight to the point. We'd want to start thinking about a weight management program and seven, eight nines, they're getting crusty necks large spongy fat pads behind their shoulder, big fat deposits next to their tail heads, Mm -hmm. that sort
1: of thing. Yeah, the crusty neck is a good giveaway. And are there certain breeds of animals that that tend to get, breeds of horses that tend to get chubbier than others?
2: There are. I mean, our ponies, our minis, and some horses are a little more predisposed. Some morgans, Some of your warm bloods, that sort of thing. Some of our Spanish horses also. But then you can have an easy keeper in any breed. And I think everybody has probably met some sort of air horse, or they call them their little air ferns Mm -hmm. out there that can just live on nothing. So lots of quarter horses, lots of other breeds too.
1: How do we know if our horse has a disease, or if we just are feeding them incorrectly, or they're not getting enough exercise? how do you address that with your clients?
2: Yeah. So I guess what they're calling equine metabolic syndrome is really just a modern sedentary horse lifestyle syndrome, much like, you know, we kind of have in people nowadays. So Mm -hmm. they could just be overweight. You could put them on a diet, correct their feeding program, and they'll lose some weight and be perfectly healthy. But Once they've been overweight for a long period of time and it starts to affect their metabolism, then they start to get related issues a little bit. You could think of it a bit like diabetes in humans and they start to get insulin resistant and that affects how they use glucose and how they metabolize sugars And then that has longer lasting health effects.
1: So they've been like so sedentary for so long that their metabolism just slower. So they they can eat the same as a normal horse, but they're going to gain more weight. Yes. The
2: longer that fat is attached to the horse, the more effect it has on their metabolism. And a horse becomes insulin resistant when they eat a meal and They don't have a normal response to that. The insulin isn't able to as efficiently clear the sugar out of their bloodstream like a normal Mm -hmm. horse. Yeah,
1: Because insulin is a molecule that helps the sugar go inside the cell so they can use it. So these horses, because they've been fat for so long, they kind of stop recognizing the insulin molecule. That's why they call it insulin resistance. Yeah, the effect just gets a little bit more dulled. And are there certain foods that cause a horse to be like that? Because, you know, like in people, if you eat too many donuts (laughs) and fried chicken, you're going to have more chance of being insulin resistant, right? So processed foods, high carbs, is that the same in horses?
2: Yeah. I don't know if I'd call it necessarily a cause and effect. If the horse gets overweight, it probably got that way by eating maybe a less balanced diet and maybe eating too many carbohydrates. But I also do want to make sure we realize that carbs are, of course, the horse's main food source. Hay is a Mm -hmm. carb, pasture is a carb, fiber, but they may have gotten overweight in the first place by eating too many starches and sugars. Mm -hmm. So- However, they got that way. Once they're overweight, then we do have to start being a lot more careful about the amount of specifically starches and sugars in their diets. And that's what we end up really focusing on when we make a feeding program for them.
1: And so what would be a good feeding program for this kind of horse?
2: So the goal is to reduce their body weight and that will hopefully sort of correct their metabolism a little bit and potentially help them to become less insulin resistant. But in a horse that is overweight and insulin resistant, we want to limit their overall calories to an appropriate level and then limit the soluble carbohydrates. So the starches and sugars in their diet try to get their total diet intake uh, close to maybe 10% is a kind of a guideline. It's not a hard and fast rule, but -hmm. that would be the overall average starch and sugar taking into account their hay and pasture that they're eating and their concentrate portion of their diet. So you would choose feeds that are maybe not very calorie dense and their energy would come more from fats and fibers and have low soluble carbohydrate content.
1: And so how does the average Joe goes to the feed store and what should they look for?
2: Yeah, the easy thing to do is to look at tags and horse owners either love to pour over tags or they don't really care about them. It seems to be the two different groups. But you can look at the guaranteed analysis and see starch and sugar percentages on a feed tag. And you would want at least a place to start is to look for a feed that has a a combined number as low as possible, but also balancing that with the kind of nutrition that that feed is providing. I think a lot of times we get a little obsessed about looking for a certain number on a tag, like 10%, for example. And Mm -hmm. you could have a feed that is 9% 9% starch and sugar but is not very calorie dense and doesn't have very high quality protein and the horse is going to end up needing to eat more pounds of that feed and then if you compare that with a feed that's maybe in the low teens maybe it's 15% starch and sugar but it's calorie dense they would get all their nutrients out of it and they would only have to eat maybe 3 pounds instead of 5 pounds of that feed then the 15% could be the better option. So you have to do a little bit of math sometimes.
1: <laughs> so does Purina have a formula that can help us solve this problem?
2: Yeah, we have a lot of low sugar starch feeds. Our lowest would be Well WellSolve LS or low starch. It's guaranteed maximum 11% on the tag. We just want to make sure we're always going to meet the tag guarantee. And the way we analyze the sugars and the ingredients in that feed is different than how we do it in some of our other feeds. It's very tightly controlled. We really, really want to make sure we're keeping everything, like I said, really tightly controlled for those sensitive Mm -hmm. horses.
1: Do you have some tips on feeding well-solve in addition to pasture and hay for helping to reduce these horses' weights and calorie intakes while you're trying to fix this problem?
2: Yeah. So if I'm going to put somebody on a diet program, first of all, I'm going to see what they're feeding now and weigh or try to figure out how much total hay they're eating in a day. Because... Often, horse owners like, Man, I'm already just giving them half a scoop or a handful of food. How am I going to cut them back anymore? How can they go Mm -hmm. on more of a diet? And a lot of time, the culprit for the extra calories is the hay, because if you don't weigh their hay, you can be surprised how much it adds up when you're throwing them a few flakes throughout the day here and there. Mm -hmm. So, I want to get them down to maybe 1.2% of their body weight in hay a day, which will involve You know, getting a scale out, putting some flakes of hay in a trash bag and weighing it with a luggage scale or a fish scale maybe and getting their hay under control. And that might mean the use of some slow feed hay nets or some nibble nets to keep them kind of occupied for more of the day. Those can be a really great tool. Or if they're on pasture, using those grazing muzzles or keeping them up on a dry lot for several hours of the day. I think a lot of us that have dealt with these kind of horses know that it is amazing how much they can eat in a short amount of time and how good they get at eating with those muzzles on. So <laughs> sometimes that's not enough and you really have to be pretty restrictive on keeping them on a dry lot. But right. get their forage calories under control and then we can focus on the concentrate portion of the diet. So, you know, that might be well solved LS if they are insulin resistant, and they really need the lowest starch and sugar feed possible. Also, a lot of these horses, I put on a ration balancer. That is a feed that's very concentrated. So they get all their nutrition, all their protein, vitamins, and minerals in one pound of feed a day. And then they get the rest of their calories from forage. So all of the everybody out there that's eating a handful, a handful of feed is a treat. They're not right. getting real nutrition out of that. So if they're eating a handful or really anything less than three pounds of a concentrated feed, they should be on a ration balancer.
1: I used to explain to my clients that ration balancer is like total cereal. Remember those old commercials? Do you want to eat one bowl of cereal? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to eat 100 bowls of cereal? We do so. a display in feed stores just like that, actually. Yeah, oh, you do. Oh, yeah, because yeah, that's a and and people sometimes get nervous about the ration balancer because it's so high in protein, but that's a percentage, right?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I talk through that a lot. Ours is called Enrich, and if you look on the back of the bag, it'll say thirty-two percent protein, but that is not going to harm the horse. That's just like if they ate one pound of that versus three pounds of a twelve percent protein right. feed. Totally safe, but all the vitamins and minerals are more concentrated, so you're yeah, actually, so actually
1: in the requirements. A balanced diet if they eat one pound of that rather than three pounds, or even if they're only getting one handful of the 12 percent, because they should be eating more than that. Mm-hmm. Most
2: concentrate horse feeds, your 12 percent, you know, sweet feeds, or strategy, or in most of the rest of our feeds, they're meant to be fed at a minimum of three pounds a day
1: to meet Mm -hmm. their protein, vitamin, and mineral requirements. So if you're less than that, move to a ration balancer. Okay, that's great advice. And what are we looking at long-term? Is this like a lifestyle change that they're going to have to make forever? Or once they get the weight under control, can they go back to a more normal diet? It depends. I think some horses, you can
2: put on a diet, especially if their feeding program maybe wasn't correct in the first place, we can put them on a diet, they can lose some weight, and then we'll find a way to maintain them long term, which may mean just, you know, hay and a ration balancer or a low calorie density feed like WellSolve LS and Mm -hmm. they can be maintained long term and they're not necessarily always in a acute crisis situation, Mm -hmm. which... Kind of that leads you into a laminitis discussion, which is definitely kind of outside the scope of this talk today. <laughs> but, uh, that's, um, a yeah, that's a whole
1: nother show. That's a whole nother
2: thing. But also, I wanted to mention we do have a quote unquote diet food that if the well-solve LS is the prescription diet food for the absolute lowest starch and sugar possible, the well-solved WC, which is weight control is a little bit like a rice cakes type of feed. If they want to be able to feed a full scoop of feed, if you have a horse that's going to beat down his stall or be angry because all his other friends are eating and he only gets a pound of ration balancer and you want to be able to feed him more feed, Mm -hmm. we have weight control, which is a puffed up kind of extruded feed that's, Uh like I said, a little bit rice cakey, low calorie density, but still really good nutrition.
1: Oh, that's a great idea. So that's another
2: option for diet foods. And that's that that could be a long-term solution.
1: Okay, great. Those are some great options. Now, say my horse has been totally normal his whole life, and then he's starting to get a little older, and I'm starting to notice he's getting fat pads, and he's kind of hairy, and I suspect he has Cushing's disease, which is kind of like related to this. What would you say for that? Yeah, so
2: when we talk about these metabolic situations. A lot of times Cushing's comes along with this, but it's really more of an old horse disease. Like you were saying, if your old horse starts to look pretty shaggy or not shed out in the spring, and he's got some maybe weird fat deposits going on and starting to look a little bad, definitely, first of all, work with your vet. There are diagnostics that need to be run, some blood work looking at hormone levels, that we need to make sure that that's actually what you're dealing with. But once you figure that out and you do know that your horse has Cushing's, which is actually a pituitary tumor and it affects their hormonal balance, then we can figure out how they need to be fed. These horses may or may not be insulin resistant as well. You can have a fat IR metabolic Cushing's horse. Or you could have an old horse with Cushing's that actually isn't fat and they kind of begin to become harder keepers and get some muscle wasting. So then they kind of take two different tracks as far as how to feed them.
1: So what would your recommendations be on feeding these horses? So if they have Cushing's and insulin resistance together,
2: we're going to feed them just like that insulin resistant horse. You're going to try to put them on a diet, get them to lose some weight, really control their starch and sugar intake, all of that that we were talking about with the controlling their hay and pasture intake and just treat them like a insulin resistant horse. Mm -hmm. If they are not insulin resistant, which is the case more often than I think people realize, then we need to really make sure we get quality nutrition into these horses because they're getting older, their metabolism and absorption of nutrients is starting to decline. And one of the symptoms of Cushing's is this muscle wasting. And we need to support them with really quality protein and maybe add calories with fat because they don't need a lot of soluble carbohydrate in their diet. We do want to control that also, but we may be looking at providing calories in their diet in the form of fat and fiber and quality protein supplementation.
1: Yeah, that's a great tip because sometimes people feel like, oh, my horse has Cushing's. I need to put him on a diet. But if they're yeah. they also have some atrophy and they need some more calories and protein, we need a way to get that into them without adding the carbs. So what would Purina have for a supplement like that or a feed like that?
2: Yeah, exactly. I see quite a few horses like that where people get really worried about the carbohydrates, so they end up almost starving them. And these old horses kind of start wasting away. And then the next Mm -hmm. thing you know, you're like, wow, they look really bad. So if they are old and their teeth are starting to go and they can't chew hay or pasture very well anymore, equine senior is the perfect choice for them. They're going to get lots of good digestible fiber, quality protein, and that will support them really well. If they're still eating hay well and their teeth are okay, then I'm going to go with a nutrient and calorie-dense high-quality feed, which may be a bit more of a performance feed like Ultium or Equine Senior Active, something like that, a higher fat content.
1: Yeah, so there's lots of options, but there's lots of different situations that we can have. So it's important to work with your veterinarian and some professionals like you guys at Purina to help determine what we need to feed before we just go willy-nilly just guessing, right? Definitely. Just because
2: your horse is fat or old or something and you go to the feed store and see a bag of feed that says light or low starch or senior (laughs) on it doesn't necessarily mean that that's exactly what they need. I guess people can probably gather from this conversation that there's a lot of different kind of tracks they could go down and it's not just one size fits
1: all. And where can people find out more information about this?
2: Definitely work with your vets as far as the medical part of it. And I know a lot of vets are pretty comfortable with the nutrition recommendations for these kind of horses, but some of them may not be. And there's us nutritionists out here for a reason. So you can always call Purina's 1-800 number. I am actually the PhD on the team that gets those calls if the customer service ladies cannot answer your question fully. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of what I do when I'm on my (laughs) phone and email all day is I get individual consumer questions about their one specific horse that they want to know how to feed. I get those a lot. Mm -hmm. So you can call us, you can go to our website. There's a lot of good information out there. And a lot of times the feed store staff, we try to train the independent feed dealers fairly well. So if they don't know the answer, they know how to get it from us. So at any time, you're only about two steps away from a PhD nutritionist of ours.
1: Well, great. Thanks for sharing all that information. That was so great.
0: And now, let's hear about one of the lucky horses that help us develop new products at the Purina Animal Nutrition Center. Today's horse highlight is Beanie. She's a dark brown quarter horse that's 18 years old. She got the name Beanie because we called her the little cocoa bean when she was a baby. She looked like a little brown plug. She's worked on our treadmill and done exercise physiology work for us, and she also helped us develop our weight control product. And you can see a picture of Beanie in the show notes for today's episode. To learn more about the products discussed in this episode and all the products offered by Purina, visit PurinaMills.com. We also have direct links to the products and a picture of our highlight horse in this episode's show notes. The Horse Nutrition Podcast is available on most podcast players. Just search for the Horse Nutrition Podcast by Purina. It is also available with the other horse podcasts at horseradionetwork.com or on the Horse Radio Network phone app. Just search for Horse Radio Network on your iOS or Android device. Until the next Horse Nutrition Podcast by Purina, enjoy the precious time you have with all your equine friends.